Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Well, today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 to 21, which tells us about the birth of Jesus. But before we do that, we need to have some kind of understanding of the setting and the context. Luke says in verse 1 that Caesar Augustus was ruling at that time, far off in Rome. And that's significant. Luke wants us to read this count in the light of Caesar Augustus ruling over the known world. Now, Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. After Julius Caesar had been assassinated, Augustus, with the help of Mark Antony, defeated all the conspirators. But then Mark Antony and Augustus started fighting with each other, and this led to a bloody civil war. Mark Antony sought the help of Cleopatra, the, the queen of Egypt, but Augustus managed to defeat both of them. And you will remember how both Mark Antony and Cleopatra ended up committing suicide. After that, Augustus turned the Roman Republic into an empire, simply crushing all opposition. The Roman Empire was the greatest and the biggest empire known to the world. And after that, there was a great period of peace, known as Prax Romana, Roman peace. And it was at this point that Augustus declared that his adopted father, Julius Caesar, who was now dead, was in fact now a god, which very conveniently made him Divi Phileus. Son of the divine, the son of God. And so the good news went out throughout the whole empire. The good news was proclaimed that Divifilius Augustus, the son of God Augustus, was the savior of the world who had brought Prax Romana, who had brought Roman peace to the world. And of course there was a great period of peace, but it came as the result of the Roman army simply crushing all opposition. No one dared to put a foot out of line. So on one level, there was great peace, but on another level, all the people within the empire were being oppressed and exploited. You see, the empire served Rome and Rome's interests only. And the people were being heavily taxed in order to fund the empire, to fund the Roman army. And they would call censors of the population in order to know how many people they were for taxation purposes. And so these were dark times. And people were crying out to be set free from Roman oppression. They were crying out for true peace, not Prax Romana. And in the eastern frontier of the empire, the Jews were turning to ancient prophecies that spoke about how God would intervene, how he would step into human history through his Messiah and would bring true peace. And so they turned to prophecies like Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 that said, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who be a ruler over Israel. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son. So about 400 years before the birth of Jesus, there was this prophecy that a ruler that the true king, that the true savior of the world, 
known as the Messiah, would be born in a very insignificant and remote town of Bethlehem. That was the same town where Israel's greatest king, David, had been born. And then in verse 5, it says that he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Now, a shepherd was a, a symbol within the Bible for a king or for God himself taking care of his people. And then in verse 5, it says, he will be our peace. He will bring true peace, real peace, not just an outward peace, an absence of conflict, but true inner peace. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 to 21. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up, to the, up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angels, angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things he had, they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given before he was conceived. Oh, what a night! I can't believe it! I, I can't believe that we were chosen, that I was chosen. That, that I got to see the Messiah, the newborn King. Wow. I mean, as shepherds, we are normally never included. You see, we have a bad reputation. I kind of like to think of it as people just don't understand us on account of the fact that we work these very unsociable hours and that we sleep rough out in the fields with the sheep for long periods of time, apart from everyone else. And to be fair, we do smell of sheep. And these religious guys and these rabbis, well, they don't like us because we don't keep all their purity laws, all their ceremonial laws. We don't keep kosher. Well, how are you supposed to keep kosher when you're sleeping rough with sheep? 
And are you supposed to get to the synagogue all the time for all the prayer meetings when you need to be out in the field, God in your sheep? Whenever I see a religious guy, which is not often, I always like to remind them Moses was a shepherd and King David was a shepherd. They never have an answer to that. They normally just run away, holding their noses on the count of the smell. And we've also got this reputation of being thugs. Well, we are a rough bunch. No one messes with us. But I like to see ourselves as sheep security rather than thugs. We will certainly chase away any wannabe thief who tries to steal our sheep. What? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We also have a reputation of being thieves ourselves. And it is true that sometimes we do confuse other people's property with our own. Mistakes happen. Look, before you start getting all holier than thou on me, times are tough. We've got wives and kids to feed. It's hard enough trying to make ends meet as things are without having to pay all these taxes to Rome. And now they've called a census. You know what that means? More taxes. And where are we supposed to get the money? It was just earlier this evening when we were out on the fields watching our sheep in total darkness that I said, I can't believe they've called a census. Old Josiah said, Oh, yes. Oh, Bethlehem is full to the brim, packed with people. I said, I can't believe they want more taxes. It just makes me mad. It just makes me want to take my sword and give it to those Romans and take their Pax Romana and shove it. Old Josiah said, calm down, relax. You've got anger management problems. Look, if you do that, you're just going to get yourself killed. So I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Just sit around here and starve to death? No, 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 said old Josiah. Messiah will come, born of a virgin, born in this very town of Bethlehem. He will come and bring peace. So says the prophet Micah. I said, that prophecy is 400 years old. No, no, no. God will help those who help themselves. Old Josiah just shook his head. said, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, it should. Old Josiah said, look. If you try and fight the Romans, you're just going to end up being killed. And if they don't kill you, then one day you're going to have to stand before God and give account of all your rebellion, of all your stealing, of all your... I kid you not, he was still in mid-sentence when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, suddenly there was this bright light shining. And there was this terrifying guy standing there, glowing. He must have been a messenger of God, a heavenly messenger. I mean, we were absolutely terrified. I was literally shaking. I had never seen anything so awesome and so terrifying in my whole life. And the messenger of God said, 
Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I can't tell you how relieved I was that he was bringing good news. Because when I first saw him, I thought, this is bad news for us. But why would he be bringing us good news? I mean, no one gives us good news. And he said that this was for all people. Well, I guess if it includes a bunch of smelly thugs like us, then everyone must be included. He then said, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I could remember at the time wondering, could this be true? Could the Messiah, that long-awaited-for king that the prophet Micah spoke about, could he have been born today in Bethlehem, in the town of David? And would he be the, the, the Savior, the Savior of the world? Will he set us free from all oppression and bring peace? And would he be the Lord, God himself, stepping into human history as a human, as a baby? He then said there was a sign. This will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I was like, why would he be lying in an animal's feeding trough? Why would the newborn king, the savior of the world, God himself, be lying in an animal's feeding trough? I mean, that's odd, isn't it? Well, all of a sudden, before I knew it, the next second, there wasn't one terrifying messenger of God, but thousands upon thousands of messengers of God. It was like a, a vast heavenly army. And they were saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then they just disappeared. I was still in a state of shock, but the rest weren't waiting around. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So off we set for Bethlehem. Of course, when we arrived, everyone was in bed already. So we were banging on doors and shouting, where's the newborn baby? The place was packed with people, full of foreigners. Eventually we managed to find a local who gave us some directions to where he thought the newborn baby might be. And so Josiah led us to this, this poor peasant's house. I said, Josiah, it's not going to be that house. The Messiah, the Savior of the world, is not going to be born in some poor peasant's house. Are you using your sat-nav again? It always takes us to the wrong place. Josiah checked his sat-nav and he said, No, this is the place, this is the GPS coordinates, this is, this is the house. So he walked in. And there he was, a baby in an animal's feeding trough. Just as the heavenly messenger had said. I couldn't believe it. But there he was. In, in the animal's feeding trough. And not even in, upstairs in the normal living quarters. But, but on the ground floor. Where the animals normally stay. You see the average peasant's house. 
Everyone lives upstairs. That's where the, the normal living quarters are. That's where the guest room is. And, and we normally keep our animals at night on the ground floor. Sure, some people are lucky enough to have a cave outside to keep their animals in. But for most people, we keep our animals inside our house on the ground floor. And I just couldn't believe it. Why, why would the Messiah be in the place that's normally reserved for animals? Sure, sure, the house was packed because of the census. There was certainly no space upstairs in the guest room. But it just didn't seem right. It just seemed wrong. Anyhow, I then heard the rumor that apparently Mary and Joseph, the, the baby's parents, they weren't even married. What a scandal! I can just imagine the headlines tomorrow in the Bethlehem Chronicle. New king's wife is a tart. What a scandal. And apparently they're not even from Bethlehem. They, 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 they're from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? The only reason they're here in Bethlehem is because of Caesar Augustus's census. That's the only reason that they and all their relatives and all the other foreigners have made the 19-mile journey from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. The only reason is because of the census. That's the only reason they're in Bethlehem. It was at this point that that old Josiah nudged me and said, Isn't it ironic? What's ironic, I said. He said, that God has used Augustus's senses in order to make sure that the Messiah is born here in Bethlehem in order to fulfill Micah's prophecy. What? I said. Do you think God is using uh, Augustus like a puppet? No, 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 said old Josiah. Augustus meant this for evil. But God has used it to bring about something good. I remember at the time wondering, could God do that? Could this baby really be the Messiah, the Savior of the world that Micah spoke about? Well, everything the heavenly angel had said was true. We, we did find the, the baby lying, with, wrapped in cloths and lying in an animal's feeding trough. So it must be true. But what a contrast to what I had expected. And what a contrast to Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was ruling from a palace in Rome in the center of the empire. Well, this baby was placed in an animal's feeding trough in a very ordinary peasant's house in a very remote town of Bethlehem. Augustus is surrounded by dignitaries, the rich, the powerful, the celebrities and the like. While this baby is surrounded by the lonely, the poor and a bunch of smelly thugs like us. What does that mean? Does that mean that God is near to the poor and the broken and far from the proud? 
Does that mean that God has come for all people? That God loves all people? That God loves even those who are normally excluded? Those who are misunderstood by society? People like me. Wow. That would be good news. That God loves me despite all the bad things I've done. I've done nothing to deserve this, but yet God loves me. Because He loves me. Wow. I wonder, seeing as this baby has been excluded from the normal living quarters, do you think he will be rejected in life? That he's come to be rejected? And I wonder, seeing as this baby is, is surrounded by rebels and thieves at his birth, do you think he'll be right, surrounded by rebels and thieves at his death? I wonder. But what kind of king would this be? I mean, what, what kind of savior would that be? What kind of peace would he bring? I don't think he's going to bring peace through powerful military might like Prax Romana. No. I think he might bring peace through weakness, through suffering. Through love. Does that mean that the way we overcome evil is not by more evil, but by love? And, and can love, can this love overcome the evil in a human's heart and bring peace? I wonder. Well, as I stood there in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. And as I gazed at this, this baby lying in an animal's feeding trough, I couldn't help but thinking that he was being offered to the world as living bread. That it was through him that our spiritual hunger and our spiritual needs would be satisfied. And as I stood there in the, the quietness of the night, in this very ordinary peasant's house in a very remote town of Bethlehem. And as I gazed upon this baby, I was filled with the sense that there was something transcendent, something sacred about that moment. And as I gazed upon him, for the first time in my whole life, I experienced a profound sense of peace. A deep inner peace. I had this overwhelming sense of being forgiven, of being loved, and of being accepted by God. Do you know that peace? Have you experienced that peace? Do you want to experience that peace? Then can I encourage you to gaze upon the Messiah and receive His peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are completely blown away by the mystery, the wonder, and the sheer awesomeness of the fact that You stepped into human history 
as a human, as a baby, because you love us, because you want a relationship with us, and because you came to offer us true, real peace. And Father, help us this Christmas to gaze upon you and to receive your peace afresh. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.